morning. The reading from the Word of God this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip, equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth of love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Good morning, church. Nice to see everybody here. I want to start off with talking about politics this morning. <laughs> I know, sermon suicide, right? Uh, but don't worry, I'm not planning to uh, promote any political views this morning. Uh, I just wanted to bring up one thing from the, the previous or, or the recent election that stood out to me. Here's, here's a picture of what I'm talking about. I know, I know everybody is familiar with this sign, right? If you're not, raise your hand. There should be no hands going up. Everybody has seen this. It's been like literally everywhere for the past few months. And I found this one yesterday. Somebody hadn't taken it down on time. Um, it, it was everywhere. And, and again, I'm not endorsing anything here, but you can't argue one thing about this last election. You can't argue how important the health care issue was uh, in the hearts and minds of voters. Depending on which poll you looked at, it was certainly one of the top three issues, uh, if not the top issue in the hearts and minds of, of Manitobans as they were casting their ballot, uh, their ballot. When people were voting, they were thinking about health care. And that says something, doesn't it? It, it says at, at the very least that people seriously care about the health of their bodies, right? And it's so important that it will actually sway uh, who we elect into government. There's a strong parallel there with what we're planning to talk about this morning. As much as Manitobans care about the health of their human bodies, God cares a great deal about the health of a different kind of body. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. Have you ever heard that before? And, and just like we're concerned, you know, Manitobans are concerned about the health of their physical bodies, Jesus is incredibly concerned about the health of his body too. In his letter to the Ephesian church, the Apostle Paul uh, writes to husbands in there about loving their wives. But in the middle of that discussion, he points out something very important about how Jesus cares uh, for the church. And this is what it says in Ephesians 5, verse 29 and 30. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. 
So Jesus wants his body to be healthy and the church is that body. And it says here that he feeds it and cares for it, which is interesting, right? I mean, how does he do that exactly? And this brings us to our reading that that Bob just read for us today. Jesus has a plan, a health care plan, if you like, for taking care of his spiritual body. And we see his plan in our reading this morning. Verses 11 and 12. And he, being Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So here it is. Jesus has a plan for building up his body. And and his plan, to put it simply, I guess, is to use some of the members of his body We might call these people here the servant leaders in the church. He's using the servant leaders to equip, or we might say train or or coach. They're coaching everyone else so that we can all do the work of ministry. And when this situation is in place, when the equippers are equipping and the saints are doing the work, something happens to the body, right? It gets built up. That's Jesus' plan for growing his body, for taking care of the church. So we need to notice a few things here. If you're a member of the church, you're either a servant leader or you're a saint. But either way, you fall into one of these two categories. And this is really important because it, it makes it makes a point. It means that every single person in the church has a role to play in building up the body. We're all supposed to be involved in the work of building up the body. We're all called to be bodybuilders. Bodybuilders, which is the title of the sermon today. I'm not sure if you've ever thought of yourself as a bodybuilder before. Uh, But today I want to talk about what that looks like in a spiritual sense, of course. So first, we need to expand a bit on the roles uh, that we see here in that passage that Bob read. And second, I want to talk about the goals. You know, what should our goals be as bodybuilders? How do we know if we're really building the body? And finally, I want to talk about the tolls, uh, which, you know, tolls maybe isn't the best word, but I wanted to keep the rhyme going. <laughs> uh, the tolls, it refers to um, what it's going to take to get from where we are now to where we want to be. What is what is the cost associated with reaching our goals? What do we need to do to get there? Okay, so that's that's the framework for this morning. So let's start with the roles. So now when it when it comes to bodybuilding, you know, you might be thinking about roles as like roles on your stomach or something. But uh, that's not the kind of roles we're talking about. It's it's R-O-L-E-S. Uh, we're talking about the roles here in verse 11. Um It says here that um, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the the shepherds, or or some translations have pastors. You might have that in your translation. Uh, But the Greek word for for that is actually shepherds. We call them elders in our congregation. And then we have the teachers. Jesus used apostles and prophets in a special way in the beginning of the church when it was first being established. And now today we're still left with evangelists. You know, we call these people preachers sometimes or we we might call them missionaries. Uh, We have the shepherds and again, we call them elders 
and we have teachers. And these people are called to, to do the work of ministry, right? Wait, is that what it says? <laughs> no, right? The people in these, in these positions have something else as their main focus, right? It's what I've highlighted there on the screen. They are the equippers. And this is an important detail to catch. Uh, whenever I'm trying to talk about this or think about this, I like to use a sports analogy. You know, in a professional sports game, you've got players, you've got coaches, and you've got fans. And if we use this analogy to describe what the Bible is saying here in, in Ephesians, uh, the equippers, you know, that group of servant leaders, they would most like, uh, they would be most like the coaches on the team. You know, their job is to train the players to make sure that they have what they need. They have the skills they need to go out there and play the game to the best of their ability. And for the coaches, you know, their main concern is training or equipping other people to do the work of ministry. Have you ever noticed that detail before? Because sometimes when we think about church, you know, it's not always what we see, right? Too often what we actually see is the people who are in these equipping roles totally consumed with the actual work of ministry. It's like the coaches are out on the field playing the game and the players don't have a chance to get in there or or they haven't been shown how to get in there or even worse, they get confused about who they are and they start acting more like the fans who are just there to watch. They're watching the coaches play the game and of course that's all wrong, right? That's all wrong. And, and in the body of Christ, according to Jesus, what he's saying about his plan for the church, no one is in the stands watching. That's for the world around us to do. They're watching us. We are all called to play, to get on the field and play the game. And some of us, the coaches, if you like, have that additional role of equipping everyone else to be able to play the game even better. And, and the design, this design that Jesus has for his church that's laid out here is it's like infinitely better than just having a few people being very busy with ministry while everyone else is around to watch or, or they get confused about where they're fitting in. This is why it's so important for the servant leaders, the equippers, to take their role seriously. It's easy, and I know this from experience, to get consumed with the work of ministry, which is a good thing, by the way, but to do the work of ministry so much that you neglect your important role of training other people to do the work of ministry, too. We have to remember our role, those of us who are in the servant leader category. It's usually more difficult and more messy to spend time training and equipping people, but this is what equippers are called to do. It's our role. And everyone else in the church needs to remember their important role as well. Everybody's role is just as important, honestly. Jesus sees all of us. He sees you as a minister. He sees you as a bodybuilder for his body. He wants you to take your responsibility seriously in that role. All of us have a role to play in this. In the church, there's no such thing as a spectator. We're all called to be bodybuilders. So that's, the, that's a bit about the roles. We're all supposed to be involved is the summary of that. But what does it look like, really, you know, to be involved? 
Or, or how do we know that we're being successful? How do we know what goals that we're supposed to strive for as bodybuilders? I don't know if you've noticed this recently, uh, but things are getting crowded in this auditorium. <laughs> uh, and, and just to confirm, you know, the, the building's not getting any smaller. We just keep adding chairs in this room here because more and more people are joining us on Sunday mornings. And we've already started talking about future plans for a second worship service. It's extremely encouraging. It's an encouraging time to be a part of this congregation and see what God is doing. Maybe you don't know this, but consistently every Sunday we have visitors joining us here. And if you're a visitor here today, we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. And and we hope that you'll stick around after our service so we can get to know you better and see how we can serve you. Uh, Please, please stick around and meet some of us. But so with all of that said, all of that good news kind of laid out there, I just want to ask this question. Is Sunday attendance, you know, how many people are in this building on a Sunday morning, is that how we should check to see if the, if the body of Christ is growing? If we have more people at a worship service, does that mean that we're growing as a church? Now, attendance, of course, might be a byproduct of spiritual growth, but according to our passage this morning, the number of people in a building is not what we should be looking at. <laughs> uh, we just read in verse 12, uh, that, you know, all of us need to be involved in building up the body. And then Paul goes on in verse 13 to say that we're all involved until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, so here it is. Here's the measuring stick, if you like. This is how we measure spiritual growth in the body. There's two things here. Unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And spiritual maturity. These are the things that we can measure with. And and it's harder to measure, obviously, than like Sunday attendance. But we can still measure these things. We can measure them by asking ourselves some questions. How many of us are engaged in helping other Christians mature in their faith? How many of us are serving in one of the ministries that we have going on in this congregation. How many of us can say with honesty, you know, that we look more like Jesus today than we did a month ago or a year ago? These are the kinds of questions that can help us figure out whether or not the church is growing according to what we're talking about here on the, on the, on the screen in this passage here. So I'd like to talk about uh, these two growth markers for a minute. Uh, and just point out a few important things. The first is unity. If we want to grow in unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus, we're going to have to think far beyond Sunday morning, okay? For whatever reason, uh, at this particular time in history and in and this place in the world where we live, there's like a hyper-focus right now on Sunday morning in the life of the church. When many people hear the word church, they think about a gathering that happens on Sunday morning. When it comes to serving in the church, it's common to think about that in terms of, you know, something that you do on Sunday morning or something that you do for a Sunday morning service. When you think about giving in the church, uh, we talk about contributing to the church. 
Many times our mind goes to you know, giving money on Sunday morning. Now, I want to be clear. <laughs> in no way am I suggesting that our Sunday gatherings are unimportant. They are, they are very important. What we do here is very important, and we need to keep doing that. But we also need to think beyond just what we do here for like an hour or two each week. Because if we don't, there is no way... No way that we're going to create this kind of unity that Jesus wants to see in his body. If you don't believe me, just just follow with me here for a minute. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4. Just just before what we were reading today, starting in verse 1. This is a description of unity. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So this passage, I mean, we could we could probably have a series of sermons on it. There's so much here about unity. But we can see right away that unity is way deeper than just believing the same things, right? Yes, I've highlighted all the one things here. There are definitely some uh, some things listed here that we need to have unity uh, unity on in terms of the doctrine we believe in. But the concept of unity is so much bigger than just agreeing on doctrine, right? The larger goal of unity is described by what it says here in verse 1. That we are united in helping each other to live a certain kind of life. To live a life that is worthy of the calling we've received. Have you ever thought about what that might look like for you? I mean, you personally in your own life. Have you ever thought about what it would look like if if one of your main goals in life was to help the Christians around you live a certain type of life? Live their life for Jesus. If that was your goal in life, what, what would it look like for you? Do you think it would require unity with your brothers and sisters on more than just what you believe in? Again, I'm not downplaying the doctrine, but I'm saying it's bigger than that. I don't think it's something that we would be able to accomplish in a couple hours a week. I mean, it's difficult, right? If 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 helping someone live for Jesus is the goal, it's it's much more difficult than just agreeing to a set of facts. But agreeing to a set of facts is not unity. That will not help the body to grow. True unity is being united and helping each other to live this life that Jesus has for us. That's what true unity is. And that's why true unity is going to require the things that are listed here in verses 2 and 3. We're going to need humility for that. We're going to need gentleness. We're going to need patience with each other. It's not going to be easy work. We're going to have to bear with each other because, I mean, sometimes I'm a bearer, right? And that's frustrating when you're trying to help me live for Jesus. But this is Jesus' plan for growing the body, building the body up, being united in this way of life 
uh, together. And it's a good plan. It's a good plan. And it's a plan that we can't accomplish just by being in the same room for a couple hours on Sunday morning. The second goal is maturity. Maturity. It's another growth marker for the body of Christ. And I, I love that we get a definition here of what maturity is. It's attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In short, maturity is being more like Jesus, if you like. Of course, we're never going to fully reach that goal in this life, but I love the definition because it gives us a target to aim at. And it gives us a way to measure our progress, too. It's that question that I asked a, a few minutes ago. You know, we can ask ourselves, do I look like, do I look more like Jesus today than I did a month ago or a year ago? Am I heading in that direction? Am I maturing in Christ? This is important because sometimes I think we get confused about what spiritual maturity looks like. I mean, when you think about somebody in your mind right now that you would consider to be spiritually mature, what are you thinking about? I've made a mistake in this before. I've made the mistake of confusing spiritual maturity with spiritual academics or spiritual knowledge. And I'm not knocking either of those things, by the way. But having a degree, <laughs> having a degree or having a lot of knowledge about the Bible does not make you spiritually mature, not according to this verse. We can have all the knowledge in the world and still be selfish. We can have a doctorate in ministry and still be living a life that looks nothing like Jesus. Spiritual, uh, spiritual maturity is about being more like Jesus, not just knowing more about Jesus. Spiritual maturity is about being more like Jesus, not knowing more about Him. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to know more about Him. I'm not saying that knowledge is a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. Of course we need that. But what I'm saying is that we, but what I'm saying is that even more than acquiring the knowledge, what we really need is to learn how to put that knowledge into practice in order to mature in our lives. And here's the thing. According to this description of the church, we need each other in order to do that properly. This is what the work of ministry is all about. We are called to build up the body of Christ together because we're a body and we're connected. And we need each other to do that properly. That's everybody's job. We all have a role to play in that. Did you know that that was your job description? <laughs> Did you know that Jesus expects you to help the people around you to learn to be more like him? It's a big job. A big job. And that's why I keep stressing that this is something that must extend beyond Sunday morning. It's something that must extend outside the walls of this building. It's a lifestyle of bodybuilding that we're called to. And it reminds me of um, what uh, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. Uh, verse 22, he said, Flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all of those who call uh, on the Lord out of a pure heart. Paul wanted Timothy to mature into the image of Jesus, right? I mean, I mean, that's what he's describing here, isn't it? Fleeing evil desires and pursuing these qualities of Jesus. But don't miss the comment that he makes at the end. 
He's not telling Timothy to just go and figure this out all, uh, figure all this out on his own. No, he's, he wants him to do it <clears throat> along with the other Christians around him. I think that's such an important thing to catch. I hope that this is sort of challenging and maybe expanding your view about what church is this morning. When we come together on Sunday to learn about the life that God has for us, uh, to praise Him, to remember Jesus, that's all amazing stuff. That's a focus point that we need. We all need that every week, but that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. The rest of the week is about living out that focus every day, and we need each other for that if we're going to succeed. We need to be connected like a body is connected with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, to borrow the language from this text. We need each other. So that's, that's some stuff about the goals. The goal is what we're shooting for. Unity, maturity. And now I want to talk about some practical ways that we can try to live this out. Like things that you and I can do today. What are the tolls that we have to pay if we want to reach our goals? If we want to grow in unity, if we want to grow in faith, if we want to grow in maturity, how do we get there? Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about. But I want to suggest two important shifts based on verse 15 that I think can help us with that this morning. The first shift uh, comes from, like I said, verse 15. And I know most translations say here, speaking the truth in love. You know, that's how we grow into be, that's how we grow to become like Jesus. But I, I want to say that this translation is too narrow. The Greek word here literally says, truthing in love, which maybe doesn't translate very well. But you get the idea, right, that it's much bigger than just the words that we use. It's, it's more than just the words that we say to each other. It's not just that we're supposed to speak the truth in a loving way, although that's part of it. But it's bigger than that. We're called to live out a life of truth. Live a life that's grounded in the truth, if you like. And to do that in a loving way with each other. And when we think about sharing a life of, sharing a life that's based on the truth and, and sharing a life that's based in love, we can't do that outside of a relationship. We need relationships with other people, relationships with other Christians for this to work. So the first shift I'm proposing is a, a shift from an event focus to a relationship focus. And, and I know that might sound confusing, so I want to explain it. What I mean is this. We need to think beyond church programs and the walls of the church building if we want to be like personally engaged in spiritual bodybuilding. Let me illustrate it this way. If you wanted to help someone grow in their faith right now, what comes to mind? I mean, for many of us, it's going to be, oh, you know what? I need to make sure that I help that person come to church on Sunday. Or I'm going to bring them out to one of the events that we have going on in the church. Or I'm going to help them join one of the programs that we run at the church. And let me just be clear. I'm not opposing any of that. That's good stuff. But what I'm saying is we need to add to it. Events and programs can be very good things, and it's great to get 
people connected to them. But what I'm saying is, is what that person really needs more than coming to an event. They need a relationship with you, with a person who cares about them and help and wants to help them grow. Instead of inviting them to come to an event, invite them to come to you. Instead of inviting them to come to an event, invite them to you. Invite them to you first. This is what Jesus did with people, right? We see this all through the Gospels. He was building a relationship with people by inviting them to him. And then he would help them from there. This is what we need to do too: build a relationship and give the people around us more than just an event to attend. Give them an example. Give them the example of your life. Give them a relationship. Give them a personal commitment to help them grow. Be a bodybuilder. Personally. <laughs> so that's the, the first shift I want to propose. And, and the second shift that we can make if we want to we want to help the body grow, if we want to be a bodybuilder, is to shift from a knowledge focus to a growth focus. And again, let me explain this. This is because I'm getting this from what it says here, because the goal is not knowledge. The goal is what it says here to grow up into Christ, to be growth focused. Spiritual growth is not knowing more about Jesus. It's being more like Jesus, which, of course, is going to require knowledge. But we can't stop at knowledge. We have to keep going so that we can grow. We can't confuse these things because Jesus asks us to grow. I'm kind of passionate about this because I've made this mistake in my life before. I've confused spiritual knowledge with spiritual growth. But it's like what Paul says here in in 1 Corinthians 8. um, in, In the second half of verse 1, he says, We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up we can have all the knowledge in the world but unless we do something with it we won't be building up the body of christ one bit and we know this right we it's not new i hope to anybody we know how important growth is but the question is what are we doing about it what will you do this week to put into practice what we're talking about here this morning who's going to help you with that and who are you going to help With that, if we're not connected, if we're not focused on growth, it's so easy just to hear another sermon, to take in the knowledge and then go away. And then, I mean, not much really happens in terms of actual growth. That's why Jesus gave us the body when we need a connection with that body so that we can move just beyond taking knowledge into actually growing to actually experiencing real growth in our lives and the lives of the brothers and sisters that we're connected to. This is the connection we see in the the early church. Look at what it says here in Acts 2, 46 and 47. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What an awesome passage. 
The church, were they were together a lot, right? It says here that they were devoted to being together. It was important for them. The body was growing every day. I want that. You know, I want that for our congregation. Don't you? And it's right here. It's right here for us in this example from the early church. You know, we... We call this, in our time, we call it a small group sometimes. Uh, It's a small enough group of people to fit in your house, just like it says here in verse 46. It's a group of people, small enough to meet in your home. It's not possible, if you think about the human body, it's not possible to have close relationships with every person in the body of Christ, just like the members of your physical body They just can't be super close to every other part of your body. And it's like that in the, in the church too. We can't maintain tight and close relationships to every single member of the church. But each body part is very close and very connected to a few members. And this can be the same thing in the body of Christ too. Each of us needs to have a few people that are devoted to us and we are devoted to them. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated either. It can be as simple as, as getting together with a few people you trust. And here's the thing, making an agreement to help each other live like Jesus, to live that life. It's more than just getting together to have fun. It's getting together with a purpose, being devoted to those people. And and I just wanted to lay this out, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But these are some things that I found that are very important uh, if we want to have a healthy small group or a healthy relationship with somebody if we're doing the bodybuilding thing with them. It has to start with a biblical foundation. I think that's non-negotiable. We, we need to be working from a foundation of God's word that we're trying to, to live out together. But it's not, again, we talked about this, it's not just the knowledge, right? We're moving on from the knowledge and using it to get to a point where we're growing. So the next pillar has to be vulnerability. This is where the work of ministry starts. You know, a small group is where you talk about how it's really going in your life. And the ideas and the areas that you're thinking about where you want to grow in. And that relates to the next pillar, which is application. A healthy small group works together to actually apply God's word to real life, to actually live it out. We need a community for this, like we said, because we can't do it on our own. Just like you can't like take your arm off and isolate it away from the rest of the body and it will be fine. It won't be fine. Just like that connection is necessary in the physical body, it's also necessary in the body of Christ. We need each other to grow We need each other to survive. We need each other to live out what the head wants us to do. The final pillar is accountability. And we're not talking about like a big brother sort of accountability or something like that, right? A small group is where you can ask a few people to partner with you to help you stay on track. And they do because they love you and they care about you and they actually want to see you grow. Because if you grow, the body grows. And we're all bodybuilders. 
And by the way, if you don't have a small group right now and you'd like to be a part of one, uh, Jay and I have been working on some material that can help you start your own small group. We've set it up to use the sermon as a teaching, as the teaching material. So there's very little prep really for the group facilitator. And, and we can help you with a facilitation role too. We can help you learn how to do that. It's really not complicated. And, and if you're interested in this, uh, you can just come and talk to me about that later and, and we'll set you up. And besides the small group, uh, there's a lot of other ways that you can be a bodybuilder. Uh, you can help the body grow by getting involved in one of our ministries here at Central. You know, if you need some ideas out in the lobby there, there's a, a water fountain. I don't know if you've noticed, there's a huge calendar above it. Um, that calendar is, is important. There's a lot there. It, it shows all the things that are going on in our church family. And there's a lot going on. And if you look on that calendar and you see an event, you can safely assume that somebody needs help to make that event happen. For instance, we already talked about this this morning, but the kids rally is coming up at the, at the beginning of November. And I know Alana and Kyle would appreciate help with that. And we already mentioned this too, but we have a ministry workshop coming up. That's next Saturday, by the way, from 10 to 2. Uh, the ministry workshop is where we're going to be planning out many of the things that we're, we're hopefully and prayerfully wanting to do in 2024 as a congregation. We're going to try to plan the whole year out together. And if you want to see where you can get involved, that workshop will be a great opportunity. Just reach out and let me know that you're coming so I know how many people to plan for. Uh, there's a lot of ways uh, that you can get involved in building up the body of Christ, in being a bodybuilder, in the work of ministry. And we need everybody to be involved because every part of the body uh, has work to do. We're all bodybuilders. If you need some help responding to this message today, uh, this congregation is here for you. I just want, I want you to know that. If there's a way that we can help you get more connected with the body of Christ, or if you need to make that first step and, and become a part of the body of Christ, if you're not even sure what that means and you want to know more about that, please come and find me after this, and we can help you with that too. Thank you so much for your time this morning.